Nick, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks, Alan. And thanks for, um, for calling out the situation in Ukraine. And I know how much that means to you from your time there. Um, well, so appreciate that. Thank you. And, you know, we've been friends for a long time. Um, and something that we have long discussed is, hey, we're getting all this data. Whose data is it? You know, it's people's data, although organizations are making investments in these technologies that are capturing the data. So there's this blurry line and that creates some ethical quandaries, not only around the math or algorithms that are employed, but the actual data collection itself. So I was really excited when you let me know that you were working on this project to create this white paper and have some guiding principles and processes to help organizations actually do something about this, not just have an intellectual conversation about it, but actually do something about it. So if you would introduce yourself and a little bit about this white paper and, and your approach. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Al. And uh, I, I, uh, Nicholas Garbus, VP of People Analytics Strategy at One Model. One Model is a people analytics platform. We help to get data off of people's HR or companies' HR systems, integrate it, make it available for visualization and for AI ML uh, predictive modeling. And, and that's the, the reason is that I'm involved in, in this topic is because we are building out products like this, that, uh, that, uh, with use that data, use AI and ML and we're doing it in an ethical way, but that, that allows me to, uh, spend time on this passion project. Al, as you mentioned, something about how we use data and the concept of people data for good, which I give credit to Al for. Uh, really coining and, and promoting, um, that's really centered to this. Uh, and, and, and I'll just kind of tie it back to where we started many years ago as we were uh, both kind of maturing in the space. The ethics was around what data you had and, and it was really like, can we touch that data? Should we be getting survey data that is confidential or anonymous? What are the quandaries with with that, can you show, show details or should you cut it off at five responses? There's a lot of things. Those are, those were all ethical decisions. I think now, and, and what has brought about this, this surge of interest and passion, uh, you know, my behalf and my, my co-author, uh, Taylor Clark, is that we have these tools like AI and ML, they're, they're not just inside people analytics teams, but they're embedded in all these HR products. And the concern is that these things are uh, being pushed out and, and sold a lot without the companies buy, that are buying them having good frameworks for how to understand what they are, to manage them as, as, you know, as, as assets that are, are really powerful, but also need a lot of, a uh, lot of care, I guess, in the context we're in, this is like, a, you know, like, like nuclear arsenals, they have. You have to have people who are trained that monitor these things and are watching them because they're significant. They, the nuclear power plant is, is a great thing. It creates a ton of electricity with little bits of pellets of stuff, right? Okay, but you have to be able to, to manage that. So that's what we're talking about. It's like, what are the principles and the processes that are going to ensure the outcomes are ethical? So we're taking things from data security and privacy and now ramping it up with all this superpower analytics and trying to say, how do we manage that now and who's going to do it? Yeah. And you know, this affects diversity, equity, inclusion, it affects retention strategies, hiring, all, you know, all the above. And again, you know, this is something too, 
that is not only the privy of large enterprises now. If you're a small, medium-sized business and you're acquiring a technology that's going to capture people's data, you know, not understanding or having guidelines and frameworks to understand, you know, how the information is collected and in turn used is, you know, not only putting your organization at, at risk, but, you know, again, there's an ethical, you know, quandary there that needs to be elevated. And I know you have a few slides that you want to share as we go, uh, but I'll let you and follow your flow here. But I really am intrigued uh, about number one, the guiding principles, but the processes, because you know, when I read the white paper, it's not esoteric. It's actually like, oh, I can do this. So with that, you know, please. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that that was the, the point of, of, of the, the way we wrote the paper. And, and I am, um, intolerant uh, as uh, you know when it comes to just the the point in time at which all of the high level frameworks uh are, are everyone's still talking about like the overall there's there's two types of things you'll read about ai and ml one is like it's great it's powerful it does all these magical things and then you'll read an another layer of stuff which is it's dangerous watch out but what's missing is that next layer down and this is where it was really focused to with um with Taylor to unpack this down into principles and processes. And then each of those we unpacked enough that people can start to figure out what are they going to do? So we're, we're not being completely prescriptive about that. In fact, Taylor could, you know, and, and may be writing an entire book on the specific statistical methods, the analytical methods that you should be employing to, uh, understand if you have um, bias in your models. So there's a lot of technical methodology in that, and that is, um, you know, outside of my uh, domain of expertise. Uh, and so that'll pick up from, you know, with what he's uh, uh, compiling, but yeah, let's pull up the, the, these principles because I think number one, and, and I, I have to apologize. I didn't get my laundry done on time or I would have my people data for good socks on right now. Because, <laughs> uh, so, because I was I was awarded those ones, but yeah. So I think you know AI ML needs to be deployed for the benefit of people and society. So you've got to think outside of your, your company. So this is just you know kind of foundation for people analytics. The, the concept of human in the middle. That if you are not if you're letting the machine run from step to step without putting a person reviewing things in between those steps. You are setting yourself up for, uh, you know, unethical outcomes, uh, unethical processes. So your process of building AIML, the process of building the stuff has ethical requirements as well. So having that human in the middle, um, the, the third principle is valuing understanding over deployment and, and you know, the concept that, you know, celebrate failure, uh, you know, we, we, we went out to build something, it didn't work and we failed. And what did we learn? Right. That, that this needs like a bold underline under what did we learn? Because in, in other types of failures, when you're trying to launch a product or something and it doesn't work, you're going to learn certain things. Uh, but if you're building, when you're building a, like a, a predictive model, the learning is, is a, a huge part of the value of that um of what you're doing because the model itself is trying to replicate and help you understand the intricacies of a system and it's a system of flows of people in and out and then there's inputs like learning there's inputs 
like manager changes and organizational things? And then how does that impact? So you're trying to understand the system. And as you're building a model that's, that's looking at all types of data from that system, you're going to see things and they're going to teach you things. If you get to the end of the line and the model is not sufficient to deploy, meaning it does not have the performance requirements uh, met or it has bias in it, what did you learn along the way? So that is where valuing understanding really is key. You have to think every time I find out that something is not related to the likelihood of promotion, that's a piece of intelligence I've just gained. Even if I find out something is like, there's just, there's no correlation here. Mm-hmm. You just learned something. So the whole process needs to be centered around what can we understand? And are we taking all of those learnings along the way? They're not just byproducts like, you know, scraps of cardboard that just need to be cut out in order to make a shape uh, for something that can fold up. There's value. This is, it's, it's a different thing. It's, it, we're not talking about, uh, I don't know. It's like more like blooper reels than cutting room floor stuff. It's like, there's good stuff there you can learn from. And it's not just for entertainment value, like the blooper reel, but you get the point. The stuff that doesn't work out is help. Well, uh, Hey, I'm buddy. Thanks for joining. I really appreciate it. Um, if you, anybody uh, watching or listening has questions, please, uh, enter them in the chat and we'll do as I just did with uh, Ahmed's comment. Um, my question here is, you know, I'm tempted to ask you for an example, but then, you know, that might just suck up, you know, all our time. But the the thing that I want to ask, when we talk about ethics, people get scared or privacy, they get scared. I don't want anything that's wrong. Hey, um, I don't want to uncover that there is bias because then we're going to get in trouble. Um, But to your point, it is about learning and there needs to be that openness to learn and legal needs to get on that bus to say, hey, yeah, we're going to find stuff, but we're going to be prepared as an organization to take appropriate action and remedy that bias. But if the work is never done in the first place, then, you know, how can an organization improve? Thus, you know, the ethical, yeah. you know, so again, what, what would you say to those who are a little hesitant to do anything on the ethics front? Yeah, I, I, I think that 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 uh, conundrum, especially with, with legal and, and any of my uh, you know, legal partners that might see this video will remember some of our conversations I've had about, well, we need to look at this. Um, it, you know, I think it'll help uh, to have, um, this is sometimes these things happen in co-working spaces. So anyways, there's, you've got, the, the, having the processes in place are the best thing that you can do to have, to be able to have that conversation. So you build your, you build your processes and then you use those with your legal partners. And then with, with that in mind, you'll be able to uh, have those constructive conversations. So that's really, um, I'm going to like shift my, it's okay. uh, shift it's, my it's, view it's, a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's all good. It's distracting for me. Cause it, you know, you know, just so, so, but the point is that you have you, the pro, you know, setting up these processes and doing it and building those with your legal partners is going to be the best, best way to have that conversation. And yes, you need to have that. This is, this is, you know, the world requires courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that's, I mean, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing courage at, at, a, at a, a massive scale in Ukraine. Um, all of us have, you know, smaller acts of courage that we need to do. And that means like doing courage is, is standing up to, to do the right thing. 
and the right thing is not to bury your head in the sand. Mm-hmm. Um, so having these processes of what, what are we going to do walking through with legal? What are we going to do if we find something like this? Just do some dry runs with them. What if we find something like this? What, that, what is that? You know, what's, uh, how are we going to handle that? And I guess another thing that and I, my legal friends will, will kind of just cringe at this, but I would say to them, I want to see, I want to understand the topography of the risk, like a picture of the landscape of the risk with the curves and the mountains and valleys and stuff. I want to know something. Give me like three cases that have happened where this has been an issue. I just get, give me some case law. Let me take a look at it because I need, I can't just operate as a people analytics practitioner, especially in getting into AI and ML and ethics. I can't operate without some real pictures from, from the, you know, what's the landscape. If you do this, you're going to slide downhill. Do not go over here. This is dangerous. So, so we need, we need to have real conversations and that's, uh, you know, our work is, is not just quantitative. It is very, very much um, interpersonal. Anytime anybody's doing it, something at the edge of change, you're going to need to think about the emotional impact on others. It might be that you're asking someone to do something that they weren't doing, adding work. So you have to figure something else out, change the way they're doing something or look at a risk through a different lens. So any of those things that are happening, um, that is, that's really, um, really going to be important to, to navigate that. So we're navigators as much as we are analytics. Well, what you're sharing, and I know you have some other visuals that you, you'd like to share. So I want to make sure we get to those, but when you're talking about talking with legal others, there's a level of governance that needs to be employed and that governing body committee, whatever it might be, needs to prioritize these discussions. It can't be just up to the vendors to do the right thing. You know, that we need as from an enterprise point of view or an organization point of view, a position um, and a plan, you know, to, to your point. So I'm just, yeah, I'll, I'll just call that out. And, you know, yeah. do you have anything to add around this notion of, of governance and prioritizing these discussions, albeit they might be messy and sometimes confusing? Yeah, there. It ha- the conversation has to start. So who's going to be the courageous person to start the conversation? Mm-hmm. And, and whoever's listening, please, that's you. I mean, just, just, you don't, there's no, don't look around. Um, the whole HR tech stack is, is, uh, I would say, uh, vulnerable. When you have distinct buyers, people buy this technology or that technology, um, it, you know, there, there's uh, with the AI and ML that's being like baked in and some cases being really pushed to the forefront of the selling process on these things, you need to have some way of looking at that stuff. And if everybody is buying it, you need to kind of centralize that intelligence in the organization and those efforts, because you can't depend on each person that's evaluating, trying to select technology to be equally knowledgeable. And even if they were all equally knowledgeable about this, you still need the power of all of you coming together and saying, what do we think? Let's process this together. Is this going to be a good solution for us? Do we, do we understand the ethics uh, of, of this type of thing? Do we understand how this model is working? What's the level of transparency we're going to have? What assurances do we have that if the model has drift, the quality of the model is, is dropping over time? Is this vendor going to keep us uh, current on that? So there's a, there's a number of steps and these things are laid out in, in, that, in that white paper. Um, I think I'll maybe flip over to the process side of things for a second. All right, let's do it. Let people get a look at what we're we're recommending, and and when I say we're recommending, it's 
you know, it's more than the one sentence that's beneath it. This is essentially like an outline of the uh, way you'll find in the paper. But having a, you know, a screening process for ethics and value, looking at the use cases. On the analytical side, it is in the moment evaluation, having the processes to do the analysis on an ongoing basis. Now, some of this you're going to be uh, formulating and figuring that, you know, what you can get from a vendor and some of it you're going to do on your own. It kind of depends if you're working with your models that your team builds or the models that are embedded in, into some solution. Um, number three is what we were just talking about, which is, you know, having you know, the, a, some, mani some manner of having portfolio management, so keeping track of what you have, know how it's performing. When's the next time we're going to review the candidate recommender in the um, recruiting system? Uh, what's, what's the cycle with which we're going to open that back up? So knowing what are all the AIML assets that are there, managing them as portfolio. And then, you know, the stakeholder and issue management includes the legal team. It includes all of the HR tech owners and includes the employees. So being proactive and communicating about, we understand that we are using some of the, your data in these ways. And this is what we're going to do about it. And then what is our plan if there's an issue? What do issues look like? Dry, we, we were you know, just a minute ago talking about with the, with the legal team. If something goes wrong, it might look like this. What would we do? If you're not prepared right now, let's just say if your company is not prepared for some um, one of your tools that has AIML baked into it, if you haven't already done a little bit of a dry run on what happens if that thing blows up and is on the front page of the news? What does your company do? Are you ready to, uh, to help that? Do you have the, the, you know, do you know who's going to be in that conversation? Uh, so, uh, it, this is, this is really, um, you know, being ready to manage the issues is part of being a responsible owner of something this, uh, this powerful. Yeah, you see uh, on this quote here, there's famous quote, analytics without action is overhead. I don't know <laughs> when you agree. I agree with Nick that we learn something always. Um, you know, with that as a staging, I want to focus on that point four for a second. Um, it's the case where, you know, you mentioned it's you who's going to start the discussion. However, people analytics is emerging as a discipline. There are, you know, as we well know, there's people analytics jobs all over the place. There's a gross undersupply of talent to do this work. Uh, most of the people I think, based on my anecdotal evidence, are coming through technology or analytical disciplines. Uh, they're not coming through legal disciplines uh, very often. Sometimes they have economics backgrounds, such as myself and and Amit. Uh, but here's the point of question. You know, if I'm IT or CIO or, or someone, uh, you know, who's dealing with technology selection and implementation and enhancements. Yeah. You know, I might think that, Hey, that's, that's in my daily way. That's something that I will do. People mm -hmm. might say, well, we're actually doing the math. We're doing the distribution of the insight. That's really in, in my area. What I'm seeing it's it falling through the cracks is like, it's like a hot potato, so to speak. And it's something that, again, there are discussions, but rarely are there initiatives that are ongoing and sticking. And I believe that the trend is that it's happening more and more, but here's my question, whether it be the organization, small, medium, or large, if there is an owner, someone who's ultimately responsible for improving the 
ethical competence, if you will, of you know, the use of people, data, and analytics, who would that be? If almost every firm has got somebody that's looking at risk enterprise. It might not be framed as enterprise risk. It could be safety risks and mm -hmm. financial services going to be financial, financial modeling risk. So there is, there is, you know, so I, I think that, um, you know, um, the hot potato is, is, is one of the one side of things. The other side is a, is a territorial, you know, fight. I think mm -hmm. you have to go in and say, who here would be, would have to be involved if something went wrong, who would care, who would need to be involved? Mm -hmm. That would be your initial committee. So mm -hmm. if there's a, if, if, if this blows up, I mean, stopping short of the CEO, um, but you would have, you know, some, who's going to care, the head of risk, the head of IT, the head of HR, uh, the head of a HR is going to have like internal comms, your, your communication, marketing people. I mean, so just picture run, running some of those exercises through, um, you know, each organization is different. Some of them are going to respond better to a fear. And so you might say, look, let me just give you a sample headline. This just happened, by the way, you can go and make, there's, there's uh, news generators online where you can make a CNN headline. I've made some fake ones before. So you can make like a little, with a little crawler at the bottom, but you, you know, have that conversation. What would we do if this happened? Um, who should own this? I, I think if, if IT wants to own it, great. You're just, if, the, if this is related to the HR technology, you've got to, it, it, you've, you've got to be, you know, there with them, but ultimately well, someone needs to be owning well, we only have a handful of minutes left, but I, I want to ask this from a very practical standpoint. So the more we talk about it, given we're covering talent acquisition, we're talking about, you know, compensation, total rewards, we're talking about engagement, behavioral data now with ONA and just a general you know, ability to uh, the digital exhaust that workers are creating. So there's a lot of data. There's a lot of things that can be really cool. And there's a lot of things that are, are at risk. So once you pile it all together, it's like, damn, this is a full-time job. So, hmm. yeah, do you believe we're at a point where this can and should be someone's job to focus on the ethics of people, data, and analytics? And to add on to that question, if it is specialized work with specialized knowledge, uh, would it make sense to partner with somebody who already has that, whether it be a service provider who has a, an established expertise or potentially a technology that can help audit not only the data that's being collected, but the algorithms that are being employed as well. So I know that was a yeah. big question. Yeah. You know, it's I, that, I'm just curious your thoughts. I, I, I believe you're right that it is that big. I also worry that if we walk in with it being that big, that people may react by shutting down all sorts of really good stuff and saying like, wow, really scary back in the box with all that stuff. And mm -hmm. then you just, then you limit the, the, the value that can be created. Yep. So I, 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 I do think it, it, it's certainly could be a person's role at a company that's 10,000 plus people. It could be a role, could be mm -hmm. a role within, but until that time, it, it could be done at sort of a, you know, committee uh, type of approach. It uh, mm -hmm. could be part of someone's job. It could be, you know, maybe a, a project manager has one of these things that's on their, uh, on their remit. Uh, so, yeah, I think we are getting to that point, but I, I don't see it happening just yet. Uh, when we do get to that point, 
we're going to be in a lot better shape because those people are going to be able to uh, refine their skills, collaborate with others, just like early people analytics uh, practitioners were able to do when this was new. You're by yourself. Uh, so, uh, so this and in terms of like a technology to help evaluate it or services, it's 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 tricky because this is something that outsourcing this might make you comfortable that it's being done, but it's really difficult to outsource reputational risk. It's always always yours at the end of the day. So I I think this is something that I would not really, I I think you want to have the capabilities inside. If you have the capabilities to build or employ an algorithm, then you need to have the ability to evaluate algorithms. Yeah. And so, you know, as we start to wrap, uh, you and I have long talked uh, about the value of an ethics charter. So taking these guiding principles and ways of doing things and communicating it outwards to key stakeholders and potentially to the whole organization. So you have a position. What are your thoughts there? I I believe in that uh, completely. And when that conversation started, I think it was it was before the, the so much AIML was just being embedded in. I mean, the, my original kind of thinking on ethics charter was for our people analytics teams. And and how are we going to use the data of the employees? And how are we going to communicate that? How are we going to be transparent with people? So so that's, um, you know, that was, uh, how, how are we going to process data? Where is it going to go? How, you know, it's, all, all of those things. Um, and, and now this is bigger, yeah. So it's part of it's part of that. I think we're just we've just expanded this further, and the things like transparency are are key um, in this. In fact, one of the one of the principles was maximize transparency, and I think this is true in the AIML. It's also true in through any of the other people analytics that's been done. How do we? Uh, I can scroll up one page. There we go. So how do we generate trust? And, and this is for every, uh, you know, it's for all of those uh, different elements of people, uh, people analytics. So, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's, look, I'll just close by saying like, this is, I, I feel very fortunate to be, you know, working with one model where this matters to us. And I um, am able to use that to, um, you know, to, to pull together, resources to create the, the white paper, which the link was shared before, uh, and, and, and to drive this forward. Cause I believe in this, this practice that we are all in people analytics. And I think that we are very likely the only data scientist uh, organization or the uh, only team that has data scientists within HR. And therefore we have to think about how we apply those skills, um, to kind of stay with the people data for good. Uh, to make sure we we remain ethical as we uh, as we advance our practice. Well, Nick, thanks for doing what you do. Get those socks washed. <laughs> get them back on game. Hey, uh, how can people learn more about you and what you're up to? Uh, LinkedIn is the best way to find me. Uh, happy to uh, have discussions uh, uh, to be, you know brought into to, you know online or something speak to your team to to uh, emphasize more i would I, I just really highly recommend reading the paper i mean i like i have a lot of stuff on my reading list it's not that long i but we really need to kind of we need to start to dig in on this i'm happy to receive your comments on it but uh, yeah you can find me on linkedin you can find one model at onemodel.co uh, on the interwebs 
And um, yeah, we're happy to have uh, conversations about people analytics or ethics. All right, Nick. Hey, thank you again. Appreciate you. You uh, stay warm up there in uh, Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. I, I stay warm every, every day except for a few minutes in the morning when I try to get really cold. <laughs> Follow Nick on other social challenges if you want to know what that meant. <laughs> it involves cold water in the mornings. You are... Yeah. Uh, you you are a very courageous man, shall we say, going back to that. <laughs> All right, Nick, you well. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.